we've started a series called Build Your Church last week. And I said it, it's not like a, an, a, an instruction to us, hey, we need to build our church, so please go and build your church. No, this is more a prayer. It's more a prayer where we're asking God, build your church, because we are convic- convinced by the, the, the scripture verse in Matthew 16, verse 18, that there's something that humans can't do, but there is something that humans can and should do. And we have this co-laboring agreement on earth with God that uh, we need to play our part. For anything to happen, humans need to do something. We need to do something. And God obviously comes and he adds the, the, the supernatural to it and he makes it have eternal value and he makes it able to change people's hearts because our efforts can never do that on our own. But we have to come to the party because he has placed us in government, in governance over this planet. Um, and so last week we talked about it takes a church. It takes a church to stand together for a preferable vision, a, a, fu- a preferable future, and say that I'm going to work with this group of people around me, and I'm going to help. Th- uh, we're going to help each other to see that picture come to fruition, come to reality. It takes a church to go come and stand in a place and say how it's going isn't godly, and we can make a difference. We can change that. And it requires us to build together in relationship in a way that honors one another, that help one another, that believes the best about one another. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about that part more. Last week we talked about moving from being church hurt to being church healed. And we heard that God, even though the church sometimes is the place that hurt us, it's also God uses the church to heal us. He uses the very uh, church that we might have um, you know, been disappointed by to then again come and, 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 and receive God's grace of healing so that we might walk together and not, not walk apart because that was Jesus' desire. And um, so today I want to talk about what it takes you know, to, to be able to, to walk together. And the title of the message is, It Takes Humility. It's going to take a lot of humility to walk together like this. Let's start with our theme, theme verse. Matthew 16 verse 18 says this. It says, Jesus talked to Peter. He said, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not overcome it. All the powers of hell will not overcome it. I believe that there's two revelations in this verse that I explained last week. The first is that Jesus Christ being the Son of God, as Peter declared in the verses prior to this, is the rock upon which the church of Jesus is built. Jesus is the Son of God. He is, he is, um, he is the eternal Son of of God. The Bible says before the foundation of the earth, he was uh, slain, which means that he is from everlasting to everlasting. As God the Father is from everlasting to everlasting, um, Jesus is the Son of God. And on that revelation, Christ said that he will build his church. But he also mentioned Peter. And he said, look, you are Peter. And the word Peter, the name Peter means rock. Now, Peter's name up to that point was Simon. Everybody knew him as Simon. And here Jesus comes and renames him. Why? Why in such a significant moment when he talks about the deep revelation that Christ the Son of of God is the rock upon which the church will be built, does he put Peter alongside that as what the Bible calls little rock? 
And I believe it talks about this partnership that we have with God. We are co-laborers with Christ in his kingdom. That means that there is something that you and I are called to participate in, to do, to stand up in, to take the responsibility of, to put that yoke on our shoulders and to start laboring in the kingdom of God with him. That if we don't do it, there's going to be lack. Something is going to be amiss. And so each and every one of us have a purpose. And that's where all this purpose talk comes from. It comes from the fact that God ordained that certain things need to happen through humans. He can do it, but he decided not to do it. He decided to do it through us. And so he's calling to us is that if you don't participate, there's going to be lack, right? And so you are invited to co-labor with Christ. What it is that Christ has asked you to do? That is a question that each of us have to seriously grapple with. And then in in exciting obedience, go say, all right, Lord, I will participate in this. I will be a part of this. And one of those things is that he has called us to make disciples. He has called each and every one of us to be a part of the disciple-making body, the disciple-making army on earth that will help people's hearts be changed as we minister God's goodness and God's love to them. Um, And so God really wants for us to walk with one another. Like if it wasn't necessary for you know, us to walk with one another or to, to make disciples, then we wouldn't have necessarily needed to you know, focus so much on relationship, focus so much on humility, focus so much on loving one another as the Bible would, would, would lead us into believing and would lead us into understanding. And so it's really important for us to understand how to walk with other people because people are broken. Right? And if me, a broken person, walks with other broken people, then there's bound to be some, you know, some rough edges that scratch against each other. It's just true. So Proverbs 4 verse 23 would tell us that guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. And we're great at guarding our investments. We're great at guarding our time. We're great at guarding our, you know, everything else, you know, our hunting leases. We're great at guarding our, you know, our rights to own, you know, to carry weapons. We're great at at guarding a whole lot of things. But are we that good at guarding our hearts? Because if we're not, then none of those other things are going to actually have a great, you know, saving effect on us. You might have the right to do that, but you'll be all isolated on your own and doing that by yourself and you're lonesome. God wants us to walk together. And so we're going to learn how, we're going to have to learn how to guard our hearts. And that will require a lot of humility. It will require a lot of humility because we're all going to disappoint each other. We're all going to hurt each other. And what I choose to do in those moments of offense, the Bible here says, determines the course of your life determines the course of your life. I want to talk about how do we guard our hearts from getting hurt by the church. I don't know how many of you have have felt that, but let me say this. I've been hurt by the church. (laughs) My wife can't believe it. She's been hurt by the church. She's just messing. We've gone through seasons of, 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 of deep agony. I've gone through seasons of, 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 of deep, I don't want to call it depression because I'm not a depression sufferer, but um, 
like real, real, real deep angst and, 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 and you know, sadness and, and, and emotional hurt because of what happened in church. But at the same time, I've always known that the local church is God's hope for society. And if we don't fight for it, if we don't make it work, what else is there? Think about it. Think about the polarization of society right now. What else is there that's going to bring people together? There just is nothing. And so this church thing, it's just super, super important. And, 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 and so we have to learn how to operate within it because it, 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 it will disappoint us. It will disappoint us. But God did not say that it won't. He just said, I pray that they will be, if they do what I commanded them to do, they'll be able to continue the journey and see healing come. They'll be able to, to rejoin forces and, and, and take hands again and they'll be able to recover and they'll be able to, to produce that unity that Jesus prayed for. So how do we guard our hearts? Well, I think it has to start from the understanding that we can't expect the church to be perfect. Sometimes we come with that expectation that like, okay, here, this is my safe space. And look, yes, this is a safe space in the fact that God is here and that we're going to do our utmost best to treat you the way you deserve to be treated as a, as a child of God or even just as, a, as, a, as God's creation, even though you may not have you know, taken that, that, that step of faith to, to fully trust in Christ for your salvation. But you're here. We, we want to treat all people with that value that God created them and He loved, for them, loved them and He died for them just as much as He died for me who are already inside. And so I'm not going to look at you if you're not a Christian and devalue you just because of your choices. No, I'm not going to agree with your choices, but I'm going to still love you and value you and try to see you as Jesus sees you because why would He die for you? if he did not see something in you worth saving. And so my heart is that this is a safe space, that people will know, look, when you come here, you will be honored, you'll be respected, right? And, um, but the fact of the matter is that hurt people hurt people. And sometimes when we hurt people, they hurt us back to try and cover their own hurt, to try and cover, you know, just the, the disappointment that they might have had. This is not a perfect place, but we do serve a perfect leader who if we both decide to become more like him will help us to walk progressively better with one another however time goes stand still when you choose not to be around when you choose to ask when you choose to walk away nothing will further develop from there the only way we start seeing that happen is if we choose to say hey despite the way that you hurt me I'm going to walk with you through it and see God's healing and see God's grace come through for both of us. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Not a single person on the earth is always good and never sins. There's not a single person. So, so y'all, like, not me, not any one of our leaders are perfect. And it means that we're going to make mistakes. You know, we're going to fumble over our words. I fumbled over my words already today. Like... <laughs> said something that I wish I said completely different, <laughs> right? <laughs> and after the fact, I'm like, oh, Lord, just have, have mercy on that person. I'm so sorry. You know, it's, it just happens. It just happens. And we have to realize that, you know, as much as we all desire to, to try and do the right thing, 
Sometimes we say it and we wish we said it differently. It just is a fact. But that one moment can take some people out, can make some people hurt to the point where they want to never be around again. And that is just so sad because that means that all the joys and all the, you know, the, the victories and all the, you know, maybe even the, the hard times that we suffered together and we grew closer in love to one another will never be had because we chose to not have that through our decision to take that hurt and walk away with it. That's why Jesus gave us a new commandment. He said, you must love one another. A new commandment that you must love one another. Why? Because love, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sin. And look, there's going to be a multitude of sin (laughs) among us. It's going to happen. But if we have love for each other, if we truly walk in love toward one another, we can cover those sins and we can see the glory of God come into our, into, our, into our midst. And when that comes, His way and His will, His standards of doing things start forming in our, in our midst. And it becomes that place of healing and restoration for us all. Somehow God expects us to learn how to live together as imperfect people. He, he expects us to figure it out. He expects us to, to, to move past those hurts and hang-ups. Sometimes he will expect us to just get over it, depending on what it was. But most of the time, he wants us to work through it with each other. Because he wants us to be together. He does not want our humanity to cause us to split up the whole time. And this is why he prayed in John 17. I pray that they may be one as you and I are one, Father. Jesus truly has this desire. The second thing I think we, we do wrong oftentimes is, is we see that the church, we see the church through the function of the pastor. And we can't do that. You can't see the church as the pastor, mistake the, the pastor for being the church. In other words, if I didn't do something, the church didn't do it yet. That perspective is unbiblical. And I know it comes from this high view in our culture of spiritual leaders. And, and look, First Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are leaders in, your, in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. The Bible does say that. Honor your spiritual leaders. But let me say to you what the scripture verse does not say. It does not say honor your senior pastor. Read it closely. It says honor those who are leaders in the Lord's work. Let me show you some leaders in the Lord's work. Will you guys stand up, please? Ryan, Kathleen, will you guys stand up? My wife, please stand up. Miss Diana, please stand up. Um, uh, where's, where's Tiger? Rick, please stand up. Trish, please stand up. Mr. Mike and, and Miss Susie, please. Crystal, please stand up. Please stand up, Crystal. Um, Michael, um, uh, John Michael and your, your wife, please stand up. Shannon, please stand up. Um, Latonya, please stand up. Keisha, Keisha, please stand up, ma'am. Um, where are we at? Miss Cindy, where are you at? There you go. Miss Cindy, where are you at? Kayla, please stand up. Uh, Kirk, Lisa, please stand up. Uh, where are you at? Miss Anne, uh, please stand up. Uh, where are we at? 
I'm trying to look for, for the leaders of our church. If you're a leader in our church, please stand up. If you do it, if you're leading a, a department head, if you're leading a life group, if you're leading any team, um, if you're leading a children's team, if you're leading a youth team, please. Oh, Chuck, you, 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 uh, for God's sake, the honor, the elders of our church, <laughs> stand up. <laughs> All right, where's Lance? Where's Dacia? Okay, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna point to 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 our our pe- people in the ark in in the quest in the in the in the, who are serving currently in the thing. Uh, Janine, where are you at with the with the uh, hospitality? She's out there also. Thank you, Sylvie. You can stand up. If I missed you right now, don't be offended. I'm talking about the principle here. Can you see all the leaders who are doing the Lord's work among you? This is what the Bible says. It says here, honor, wait, where's my scripture verse? Come back. It says, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Is outreach Lord's work, the Lord's work? Is our people who serve in our meals team, is that the Lord's work? Is, is, is the, 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 the people who, who lead our first impressions, the ushers, the greeters, the setup? Where's Kevin? Kevin Sonia, who leads our, our setup, right? Um, he's te- no, no, no. Please don't tear it down yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This, these are people that lead in our, in our midst. They're life group leaders. They're co-leaders. The Bible says, honor the leaders who does the Lord's work among you. I'm also one of them. But I'm not the only person that deserves to be honored in this, in this group, in, in, our, in our church. That means we have to start understanding what the Lord... Thank you all. Let's, let's, let's take seats. That means we have to start understanding what the Lord said when He, when he gave... When, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm read a, a verse for you guys. Matthew 8. I, I realized this very early this morning, so it's not on the slide. If you want to join me in your Bible at Matthew 8, this is a really important thing. <clears throat> Jesus is walking around and there comes this Roman soldier. It says, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he says, for I too am a man under authority. I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those with him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And to the centurion, he said, Go, let it be done as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. This is a picture of delegated authority. This centurion understood what it means to be under authority and to have authority. He realized that he was given orders by his superiors. And he realized that if he gives orders to his uh, subordinates, that they would do it. Okay, So just let the authority thing and, and the superior subordinate idea let that pass and let that lie down what we're talking about when we talk about delegated authority is how jesus operated he said i did not do anything unless i saw my father do it i was here to do my father's business jesus was under the father's authority and in the kingdom of god there is authority there is and if 
you understand delegated authority, you will understand your position in this world, in the spiritual world. Let me tell you, why must the enemy, the devil, ever respond to anything you pray or say if you do not stay under the authority that's over you? If you keep rebelling against the authority that's over you, you're violating the principle of being submitted under authority. And so the one whom you're trying to have authority over, you'll reap a, you'll reap a harvest of, of, of disobedience and, and, and rebellion. So when it comes to our church and the way we manage things, each and every one of these leaders have been given delegated authority to do certain things in our Savior's church. Which means that if they contact you for something relating to our church's work, that they are prob- they're doing it on behalf of the whole church's governing structure. And lo, I'm also one of that. And so basically, when we all learn to operate that way, we understand that it doesn't matter who contacts me for the church or for things about the church. They are the representations of the church's authority at the highest level at that point. And they're walking in what they were mandated to do. And because they are walking within that, I, if I want to participate in this, in this body, it'll be good for me and it'll be good for my relationship. It'll be good for me if I understand who it is and what they are asking of me. And I won't respond to them differently than I will respond, sorry, than I will respond to the pastor. So it means if somebody calls you to pray over you, it is like they're standing in the place of where I would have if I could be there. And they're praying with the same authority that I also just got from Jesus. And they declare the same healing will of God over you as I have from Jesus. And we both trust for God's power to be made available to you. But understanding delegated authority is how we as Christians learn how to take our place in this world against the powers of darkness. But if you and I are the leader rebels, then who's going to listen to us if we are trying to pray against certain things of crime and you know misuse of whatnots and things happening in our city? Nobody's going to listen to us. And so it is a requirement for us to understand that we're all under Jesus' authority. But Jesus delegates that through different peoples, different functions, different churches. And so that's how we work together. And that's why you can't think that it's only when I or my wife does something for you that the church have done it for you. No, when your life group leader has done it for you, it's like I or my wife have done it for you. When somebody shows from, from, from your, if somebody from your life group that's not even a leader shows up at the hospital bed to pray over you, it is like I was there praying over you. Because that's what we do through our life groups, through our structure, through our pastoral network. That is how we understand how we honor one another, like the Bible says. We don't just honor people with titles. We honor everybody that does something to serve me in my walk with God. And the same will be afforded to you. If you do anything in service of another person, the same honor will be afforded to you. 
So I'm hoping that we see here that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so important for us to recognize one another and not look down on each other. And, 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 and also at the same time, not to expect any of these people who stood up here to be perfect. Because these people that you saw here, you've probably seen make mistakes. And now, uh, that does not surprise me. Because I also make mistakes. Yet at the same time, for this season, God has led us as this church to recognize something on them and ask them to help serve our body in this way. And because of that, they're deserving of honor because they've said yes to serving. Not lording it over people, but serving people. And because they've said yes to that, they're deserving of honor. And so we will honor them and recognize that when they reach out to us, it is for the sake of everybody's well-being that that is happening. And I will receive that the same way as if the head of the organization has reached out to me himself. This is so important because, y'all, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep growing. And one day you're going to be in that place where you're going to want somebody to receive a prayer from you like he was receiving it from your life group leader. But they're going to wonder, is this prayer going to be as powerful? Because the pastor didn't do it. Yes, it is. Because it's not the pastor. It's the name of Jesus in whom the prayer is done, where the power lies. So listen to this. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, we will continue our journey and, and walk with him. We look to Christ, not to humans. Don't get, don't get, this, don't get this wrong. It's, the power is not in the person. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the Christ whom we all serve. And the smallest person in man's eyes who have just got a mustard seed of faith in the one who have died for this already can affect a healing, can affect a breakthrough in a situation. So don't you disregard the life group leader's prayers over you. In fact, just combine your faith with it and you will start seeing miracles happen in your life for the things that y'all are standing for. But I think it's sometimes because we don't value other humans' prayers or interactions or wisdom that we don't want to join life groups. We want to have it just from the, you know, like they say, from the, from the horse's mouth. This horse becomes horse if he has to talk too much. I need more voices that echo what we're doing, that repeats it during the week, that encourages you, that helps you uh, make sense of your reality and the talk that we had before. The declaration of the gospel that we make on a Sunday. How does that affect my life on a Monday? I need you to walk with other people to figure that out and to ask questions to one another and to search the, the scriptures. And if you can't make sense of the scriptures, then call somebody who you think might. And by the way, I'm not the only person who might know. Chuck might know. Uh, Ryan might know. My wife might know. There are so many other people that I, I can mention right now that also might know that you never have to feel that you don't have access to wisdom and to prayer, to faith, to care, to love. This place is full of it if you will just open your eyes to the, to the people who carry it. That is how we walk as the church together, by honoring one another in this way. And the third thing we can do is to extend the same grace and mercy that we want to receive. You know, the Bible says, and, and, and it might be more in a, um, a financial you know, context, but the Bible says this, that you know, with the same measure that you measure, it will be measured back to you. The principle there is that literally everything we do is a seed. 
And so do unto others as you want done unto yourself is a, is a valid principle in the New Testament. If you sow grace, you will receive grace. You will. You will receive grace. And I know sometimes people are, you know, unwise in their words. And I know sometimes people say things that they, I don't know, you know, they say something that's innocent, but because of where you're coming from, it's hurtful. And they could never have known that. So grace, so grace, believe the best. That's how you show so, so grace and mercy for your life to come later on. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best. Don't make things bigger than they are. Um, you know, when people mess up, just, just let them know, hey, yo, that hurt me when you said that. Um, I don't know of anybody who will go, well, you know, buck up, son. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> if you get that response, then man, you've really been dealt a tough hand. <laughs> come and talk to me and we'll, we'll sort that out. But... I'm so sure somebody would go, geez, I never knew, man. I'm so sorry. I really am. And never was my intention to hurt you. Make room for each other's mistakes. But here's the most important thing. As you extend the same grace and mercy that you want to receive, make sure that you don't make decisions on other people's um, lives and their decisions. Because if you base it on that, then when they make a mistake and you make a decision based on that, oh my goodness, you've just made a decision based on error. Keep your decisions based on the word of God and let people who have hurt or have done something stupid receive grace as you have so many times in other ways also receive grace. The the fourth thing is don't let people recruit you to dislike other people. And don't try and dis. Don't you try and recruit people to dislike other people. Sometimes it's people that have never even hurt you. But regardless whether it's people that never hurt you or hurt you before, don't let anybody recruit you into disliking people. Shut it down. Shut it down. Just say to them right there, you know what? I I just want to say right now that uh, I don't want to be getting into a conversation like that. If you you have an issue with that person, please go deal with them directly. Right now, uh, my heart is clinging towards that person, and I'd like to keep it that way. Um, Proverbs nineteen eleven: Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is a person's glory to overlook an offense. Don't let somebody else's offense become a transfer offense in your heart. Always remember, you don't know the other side yet. You hear something from somebody, and you're so quick to be get angry, you've never heard the other side yet. So. Keep that offense out of your heart um, so that you don't take an offense that was never even um, yours to take, offered to you in the first place. Not that there are ever offenses that we are to take. You know what I'm saying, right? 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it's confirmed by two or three witnesses. You know, we're so easy to just, well, this person's close to me. I know this person. I don't know that person. So I'm going to just believe this person. That's the worst thing you can do. Because you don't know that person tells you that you better rather go and find out before you believe just this person. Because how are you, how are you making a, a proper judgment if you have, you know, <laughs> just told yourself, I don't know that person. Right? It just doesn't make sense, but we, but, we all, but, we, but we all do it. And so it's really important that we make sure that we hear the other side of the story first. And if it's not a thing that you need to be involved in, 
Like if they're not coming to you to help me to mediate between this, help me to, you know, go and talk to that person because I'm afraid to go and talk with them alone, etc. And and they just want to look, I know that you're having a rough time right now with what happened, but before you you make me become angry at the person, please go and speak to them yourselves. And if, if it doesn't work, if you can't manage to sort it out while you're talking to them on your own, just let me know then and I'll come and, I'll come and listen to both of y'all and we can figure it out from there. But right now my heart is clean toward that person. I'd like to keep it that way. And the last thing is I want to encourage you with everything in me. Don't give up on the church. Don't ever give up on the church. And this is not an accusation against anybody. I'm not telling anybody, if, 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 you're, if you're feeling like us, I'm saying to you, you, give, you gave up on the church. No, I'm not saying that. I, I'm, I'm laying down an appeal and a principle. For us to be able to walk together, we have to pre-decide. This has to be a decision before there is reason. Before there is, 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 is confirmation that this is okay to do or this is the right thing to do. This is a premeditated response. I am not going to give up on the church no matter what. I'm going to sort it out. I'm going to fight for what we have here. I'm going to contend for what I see in a righteous way. I'm going to make my voice heard in a righteous way so that if I'm wrong... I might be helped if I'm right. Probably I'm helping other people because it might, might could be that other people are also feeling that, also seeing that. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I know sometimes it's real difficult to come into a place where It's perceived that everybody is perfect. But let me just guarantee and and comfort you right now. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody here is perfect. In fact, you might have walked in here today and already realized that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Except you, babe. You're perfect, man. That's why I chose you, right? (laughs) It's... um. It's premeditated. Yes, I'm going to get hurt. Yes, I'm going to be disappointed. But you know what? When it, when it happens, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to engage. I'm not going to disengage. I'm going to ask the person, hey, when you did that, uh, it kind of hurt me. Because, and I'm going to explain to you why. Uh, did I get that right? Or, or am I, did I understand it wrong? Did I take it wrong? Um, where did you come from? I know it's scary to do that. It is. But somehow Jesus expects us to to try. He wants us to try it. He wants us to do it. And let me guarantee you this, if we don't do it, we lose. We all lose. We all lose when you don't come again. We all lose. You lose out on what could have been. So for the sake of God's glory through His church, I implore you, come talk. Go and talk to a person who you felt had said something, did something that wasn't right. What good is going to come of you just 
taking the road and, and not coming and, and at least talking through it. Well, no good is going to come from that. You're going to stay mad. We're going to stay hurt. You're going to stay hurt. And later on, if God don't protect us, we're going to become mad. <laughs> and none, none of us want that. None of us want that to be a part of our church. And so, like I said in the beginning, little rock, big rock. Your response is required. Your interaction is imperative. If your interaction doesn't happen, nothing's going to happen. Nothing comes from nothing. And sure, somebody might reach out to you and somebody might, you know, call and ask, hey, how you doing? Where are you at? Um, you know, can we talk? But until you actually say, okay, let's talk, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And look, we're also just human. And sometimes we also just give up because, because we're going through stuff. Or sometimes we don't give up, but we don't necessarily, you know, have the energy to, to be as adamant as we was before. And these things are emotional, guys. Just as much as it's emotional where you're at, we're emotional as to where we're at with you and we're concerned and we're, you know, we're, we're disappointed and we're not in you, we're disappointed in life. We're disappointed in the situation. We hope we can fix it. It becomes a lot of times when you deal with a couple of those in a row, I'll tell you what, the devil starts whispering a whole lot of junk in your ear about, you know, where this is all going. And you have to, you have to really dig deep in your, in your relationship with God to stay secure and stay full of faith as to what he's doing. But if we can just learn from each other that, hey, you're hurting, I'm hurting. Can we, can we come together and hug it out? And start thinking about how to move forward. We have a little thing in our house. It's two, two little figures that, you know, they're hugging. And it just says, hug it out. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you hug somebody long enough, it becomes awkward enough to become funny. And then we can talk. <laughs> okay. But a humble heart never gives up without a fight. When I say fight, I mean contending for truth and for justice. A humble heart wants truth to prevail. A humble heart will enter in uncomfortable situations and conversations to ensure that the right things takes place. A humble heart will have conversations about hurts and hang-ups. A humble heart will listen to the and to listen to understand and not to defend or to respond. A humble heart will see the bigger picture and sacrifice some short-term comfort for long-term gain. A humble heart will will pray and trust God to bring change. And not just assume nothing will help or nothing will be changed about something. Let's have humble, loving hearts towards one another. We're aiming for a real big goal, right? It's a fantastic goal to change society, to change people's lives, to bring Jesus to the rest of the world around us. But you know what? On the road to a championship, many individual mistakes are made. Think about this. It's just true. You fumbled that ball, you fouled there, you did that, you dropped, you, know, you missed that tackle. On the road to the championship, many individual mistakes get made. But it's how we respond to our own 
and to one another's mistakes that determine if our team will surmount the odds that are stacked against us and at the end of the day, take the win home. I need you to overlook my mistakes. And I will overlook your mistakes. And we will continue this journey. And we'll figure it out. Let's have humble hearts. And let's build together with God as He builds His church in this city through our, through our organization. Let's all stand together today. Heavenly Father, we want to humble ourselves before you first and foremost today, Lord God. Lord, we want to recognize that as grand as our vision is and as confident as we are in you, you in us, knowing that you are greater than the one who is in the world and you live in the inside of us. And so we are able to overcome everything and anything that life throws at us, what the devil throws at us, Lord, knowing within that confidence, Lord, knowing that you have enabled us to do everything that you've called us to do. Father, we still want to come and say, we cannot do this without you. We need you in our lives, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we need you to change us. We need you to heal us, Lord. We need you to be that balm, that, that, that glue between us, Lord God, because as humans, we're so frail and so fragile, Lord God, that we break at every moment and we hurt at every moment. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord God. But Father, we declare that we will humble ourselves and we will predetermine to to work through whatever hurts happened, whatever things and disappointments came, Lord God. We will respond for truth and for justice to take place, Lord God. We will contend because we love one another and we love you, Lord God. I pray that, that we will love each other Can we take hands across the venue? Come, Sophie. Grab Chris's hand. Do one handed, Chris. Did I drop you? I'm sorry. Lord, we want to declare that we need one another. We can't do this alone. We can't follow you alone. You meant for us to walk in community. Lord, we recognize that we're imperfect people pursuing such a perfect goal that without your supernatural intervention, we're never reaching it. So God, we want to humble ourselves by loving one another. And by not pointing out everybody's mistakes, we're not pointing out whatever makes us fail, but pointing to you who will make us succeed. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to look our brother and our sister in the eye and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I said that. I wish I never did. Help us to help us to say these words, I forgive you. I forgive you. Help us to have our mindsets correct about what you're developing here. Help us to see you as the author and the perfecter. And help build our faith, Lord God, that you're doing a great work among us. Not because we're getting land or a building, but because we are the building. We are your church. 
let us be connected as living stones with one another. Be the, be the mortar that binds us together, Lord. Those cords of love that cannot be broken. Let us look each other at each other from that perspective, Lord God. I pray that all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom we serve and whom we submit to. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.